0: Coming up today on Podcast 1978, Tesla win the first part of their Swedish legal battle. Cybertruck countdown is on, and the Fiat 500e returns to the USA. Plus, stay tuned, because later in the show, I'll tell you what Australia just said about refunding those illegal fees which were being imposed on EV drivers. I'm Martin Lee. This is EV News Daily, and I go through literally hundreds of articles, feeds, and stories a day. So you don't have to. Thank you to everyone that reached out and uh, sent me some well wishes. Yep, definitely on the mend. Now, although all the tests said it wasn't COVID, my goodness me, three weeks and I'm still feeling completely under the weather as the day goes on. Just a lack of any energy after kind of two, three in the afternoon, no matter how many coffees are drunk. It was a a real nasty one, whatever it was that I've been fighting off. Getting back to it, though, and great to be back on the podcast. Well, uh, Martin Viecker, who is the head of investor relations at Tesla, uh, confirmed the Cybertruck delivery event details because, you know, a couple of days away, still everyone presumed it would be an evening event for Tesla, as they normally are. And he went, no, 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 we're doing it early in the day, because still people hadn't got their official invites or tickets, such as the way that Tesla do their events. Now, the event timing is 2 p.m. Eastern, that's 11 a.m. Pacific on Thursday. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this as we publish that's 7pm UK 8pm central all together apart from our friends down under a very decent time to uh, to watch the Cybertruck event. Tesla's product design director has already revealed that 10 Cybertrucks will be delivered during the event. So it's more of a PR event, more of a, uh, here's the, hopefully, all the details on battery and price and things like that. But it's not really a handover event for, say, I know, the first 500 customers or something, because, well, I think they've only made 20 or 30 of these Cybertrucks in, in total. But it's it's in a decent thing to do anyway, even though, the world seems to be losing its mind over the Tesla Cybertruck event. I'm excited about it, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing all the. Hopefully, we get all the nitty gritty details tomorrow, and we're not left hanging. Right, here's a uh, a little notice for those that are interested in such things. BYD have a big investor called Berkshire Hathaway, and the vice chairman of that investment company is a chap called Charlie Munger. Uh, he sadly passed away. He was Warren Buffett's. Partner, if you like, really instrumental in the success of BYD, the world's biggest uh, EV maker, if you want to count plug in hybrids as well. Instrumental in that business, and he passed away yesterday, aged 99, in a Californian hospital. His recognition of BYD back in 2008 when Berkshire Hathaway first invested became a major shareholder and a real vote of confidence into the world of electric vehicles. And without their investment, Much as, like all the investment in Tesla in the early days, really, we wouldn't be where we are today without that. Now, let's give you a further update on Tesla's Swedish legal battle. They achieved an initial win yesterday against the Swedish authorities. An interim court order was obtained to get their car registration plates for Swedish buyers. The conflict involved Tesla suing The Swedish Transport Agency and the National Postal Service called PostNord, because they refused to deliver number plates in a labor dispute, they were in sympathy with other union colleagues that are out on strike. A court mandated that the transport agency must permit Tesla to directly collect those number plates from their offices within the next seven days. This dispute stems from Tesla mechanics striking in Sweden and the postal workers showing solidarity uh, with their union brothers and sisters. Tesla's lawsuit sought direct possession of the number plates for their vehicles, which without those, they couldn't deliver those vehicles to customers. Tesla was also suing PostNord demanding the release of all parcels addressed to the company, which the postal worker said, we're not going to deliver anything addressed to Tesla in sympathy and for our strike action. That intensified recently when a parts manufacturer, uh, which is based in Sweden, also said, we won't make anything for Tesla. Again, sympathy action, which is all very legal in Sweden, by the way, different from other countries and certainly very different from places like... um my US listeners, for instance, uh, might be uh, surprised at all of this. But yeah, employment law, different over here. Union law, different over here. When I say over here, I mean in Europe. But even then, in places like Germany and the UK, that you still can't do things like this, which is all very legal in Sweden, where most big businesses have signed up to a collective bargaining agreement with unions. And again, it's very, very common. Tesla, m- very much an outlier, not wanting to sign a union agreement. Full uh, link in the show notes for full details if you'd like that. Quick bit of Tesla news next, and Tesla's broadened access to their charging network in China, allowing some non-Tesla EV models to use their facilities. Expansion follows the pilot program, which started back in April. Over 350 Tesla superchargers and stations and more than 260 destination charging stations in mainland China have now been opened up to third-party brands. The Tesla charging network in China is now compatible with 38 models from 30 different brands. All right, moving on. This is great news, by the way, that the Fiat 500e is coming to the States. It's going to re-enter the US markets after... That car was on sale very much as a compliance car back in the early days. It's going to be economically priced, they say, uh, with a starting price below $33,000. Fiat sales in the US have been modest. Not really a brand that's present in the US right now. Only 145 vehicles were sold over the summer, July to September, and a total of 427 cars sold in the States this year so far. So really, Fiat, a bit of a standing start there. Suggested retail price for the 500e is 32 dollars thousand dollars. That would make it, in the absence of the Bolt, one of the most competitively priced EVs available. Yes, it is going to be a smaller city car with under 200 miles EPA range. Not that I know what the EPA is going to be on this, but it's a very popular choice in Europe. Some months it can top the sales charts over here. And hopefully it's, it, it looks like a regular Fiat 500 in terms of the, the shape on the outside. But don't be fooled. This is very much a custom designed, from the ground up, built EV from scratch. And it's a very good one as well. And I'm delighted that Fiat are taking a punt and saying... We're going to put this on sale and see if people buy it. And I hope people in the U.S. do embrace this great little car. Now, Nissan has announced plans to manufacture uh, manufacture an electric successor to the Leaf and electric versions of the Duke and Qashqai here in the U.K. and it targets the European market. The Sunderland facility. In the northeast of this country, has long made the Nissan LEAF one of three places in the world that do that. A major production hub for the company in Europe. Detailed information on the three new models, including the names, specifications, launch dates, will all be announced in the future. And I thought it was interesting because I had just assumed from reading the press releases earlier, last couple of weeks uh, when I was off, and, uh, you know, from the sick bed. And I thought, oh, that's going to be the new the new LEAF will be the new Leaf, and then there'll be electric Qashqais and Jukes. But this press release today from Nissan, or yesterday, seems to imply that they could have different names. And I wonder that what you think of that. Now, there's a lot of heritage in the Leaf name, but maybe they want to get away from that. I think calling it the new Nissan Leaf would be, for me, a double thumbs up move. I think the Leaf has a very positive name, and I think it's a poisoned name. It's not a broken, outdated name or anything like that. The Leaf means lots of good things for being an early pioneer in, in EV world. So to call it the new Leaf, I think would would be perfectly fine. Uh, no need to reinvent the wheel, as it were. Uh, the Qashqai is a very popular car in the UK, a very big family car, uh, top-selling car last year, actually, in 2022. And, and again, I would call it the electric Qashqai or Qashqai EV. And the same for the Duke, which is a smaller vehicle, uh, but again, call it the Duke EV. I don't know why you'd need new names, but... We'll keep an eye on that. Lotus were in the news yesterday on this podcast. I told you about a charger they'd shown off at the Shanghai Motor Show that was 500 kilowatts DC fast charging. And just as I published the podcast, Lotus sent out a press release It dropped into my inbox with all of the details about this charger rather than just what had been observed from people who were going along to the stand at the show. Lotus will introduce their new DC fast-charging solutions. It's 450 kilowatts, not 500. Oh, well. Um, A new power cabinet and a new charging unit as well. It's liquid-cooled, all-in-one DC fast-charger with 450 kilowatts of full speed. And it would add around 90 miles or under 150 kilometers of range to an Electra in five minutes. So I hope you agree. That a five minute stop is not enough on average for you to get out of your car, walk to do what you're going to do, which could be to use the services, have a comfort break, buy either a coffee from a vending machine or from the barista behind the bar and get back to your car. That is a 15 to 20 minute stop (laughs) any day of the week. Five minutes to add You know, 90 miles, 150 Ks is ridiculously fast. They're aiming for 80% charge in under 20 minutes. And the liquid-cooled power cabinet designed for high-demand locations like motorway rest stops with, what they say, exceptional power of 480 kilowatts when it's needed. The liquid-cooled charging unit, when used alongside the Lotus power cabinet as well, can charge four vehicles simultaneously. Maximum current is 600 amp, and they say... Whether it's a quick top-up or a longer charge, this is going to be a perfect solution. These charging solutions are scheduled for deployment in most European countries, they say, in the second quarter of next year. So again, yesterday on the podcast, I couldn't tell you whether this was going to be in Europe or the UK. Well, this press release makes clear it absolutely will be. Right, stick around. We're going to talk about Rivian and Ford and vehicle-to-home and good stuff on the way. Stick around. Okay, let's talk uh, enhanced range on the VW ID.4. Hey, by the way, if you'd like this podcast ad-free... And that's fine if you want the free version of the podcast, don't mind ads, that's all cool. If you'd like to get a a different RSS feed for your podcast app, you know that bit where you can just paste it in, um, you can get your own private feed with no ads if you support on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily. You don't have to do that, by the way, but you can have a look at it and see what you think about being maybe 5 or $10 supporter a month. That would be amazing. It's how I make a living, by the way. Spreading the word about EVs like the Volkswagen ID4 that just got better. The US made model has an 82 kilowatt hour battery for the 2022 model year uh, with the new motor. The new drive unit from Volkswagen 210 kilowatts replaces the old 150 kilowatt unit. And the EPA range now of the rear wheel drive ID4 Pro variant goes up 16 miles. Nothing to sniff at. It's a 6% increase, 291 miles EPA of the 24 model year. ID4. That vehicle just gets better and better, doesn't it? Rivian had some good news for those that want to lease their R1T pickup truck, now available in 14 US states. You can still get the $7,500 federal tax credit because of either the loophole or some say it was written in on purpose, but either way. That's fantastic news. Earlier this month, Rivian increased their production forecast by 2,000 vehicles. They want to make 54,000 vehicles this year, and say so they're seeing strong demand for their vehicles, and the, re- the leasing program is only going to help in those 14 states. Down under, Victoria, talking of uh, states, the state of Victoria uh, is going to have to refund those who took money Uh, Had money taken from them, EV drivers, uh, you may remember, I reported recently on this podcast about a high court decision that found the Victorian government's EV tax was invalid. And it states a lack of authority to impose an extra tax on EV drivers based on how far they were driving. It was unconstitutional, but it's millions of dollars that were taken illegally and the state treasurer, has now acknowledged the obligation to reimburse those funds but couldn't say when they were going to be put back into the bank accounts and so the uh, the, the the executing refunds could take several months and it's not easily done. Well, look, let's get that money back into people's bank accounts before Christmas. And they would, I certainly think appreciate that. It was money they should never have taken from them. Let's get it back into their hands. 7 million Aussie dollars raised from this illegal EV tax since mid 2021. Let's get that money back to those who deserve it. Now Ford is collaborating with PG&E with a vehicle to home pilot program in California. All of these pilot programs are ongoing. We hear about them all the time. And, I really wish they'd kind of get past this pilot phase and just let all of us have vehicle-to-home and vehicle-to-grid. The initiative is being referred to as vehicle-to-everything by PG&E. The pilot program involves Ford F-150 Lightning owners testing the vehicle-to-home technology in a real-world scenario, using it for home power backup during outages and bidirectional charging capabilities. In the future, they'll explore using your electric trucks to reduce the grid consumption during high-demand periods, The program now open to a 1,000 residential customers if you want to sign up for it, a minimum incentive of $2,500 if you enroll, and additional rewards up to $2,175 based on your participation of adding some energy from your truck back into the grid when it's needed. Now, a new study by Recurrents and disclaimer, they are a sponsor of this podcast, Recurrent's annual winter range report shows that cold temperatures uh, reduce the range of electric vehicles, but there's a big difference by brand and model. They looked at 17 of the popular EV brands under freezing conditions, looked at 10,000 vehicles and the onboard device readings. They found that there's such a big swing of how much range you lose when it's cold, for instance, the Audi e-tron showed the least range loss, a 16% decrease in freezing conditions. Volkswagen ID.4, worst offender, a 46% range lost in freezing uh, range loss in freezing conditions. But they pointed out that this doesn't cause long-term battery damage. It is merely temporary because of the ambient temperature. And things like heat pump technology for cabin heating and cooling can play a big role in minimizing range loss as well. They point out that if you precondition your car while it's still charging, that helps. You can lower the cabin heater and use things like the seat heaters, which are more efficient. And keeping the EV plugged in with your battery set to about 70 or 80% allows the car to use external power for heating rather than draining the battery. Some good news coming out of China, Kia's first EV5, that's the all-electric SUV, came off the production line, just looking at a little picture here. As I tell you about it on social media, the milestone event announced by the Chief chief Operating Officer of Kia China. Uh, the production of the EV5 marks the beginning of the global sales, with Kia's entry into the uh, EV market with this vehicle. A couple more stories, AAA in the US, highlighting the current EV buying trends from a bunch more people that they surveyed. One in four US adults said they will consider an EV as their next vehicle, which is absolutely consistent with 2022. Now, you may have seen a bunch of headlines recently over this year. Mainstream media seem to be doing good business in clicks and eyeballs in this kind of doom-mongering around electric vehicles. But is it true? Let's look at the data. This survey says... Uh -uh, Not at all. Key motivations for potential EV buyers include cost savings on fuel, 76% of the reason to buy an EV, and environmental concerns. Millennials show a higher likelihood of opting to go EV rather than Generation X, and the baby baby boomer generation among those inclined to buy an EV 58% would like a new vehicle, 26% prefer a used one, 16% undecided. The main barriers remain as they always have been, which is charging infrastructure, uh, battery repair costs, and range anxiety. And 40% of those asked expressed concerns about the impact of cold weather on EV battery range. None of these numbers really vary wildly from year to year. And it's interesting that there's a bunch of headlines around. If you look at certain websites and newspapers telling you, well, the EV boom is over. Nobody wants to buy and drive them. Whoever said that, certainly not me, and certainly not the data. Uh, in places like the US that will sell a million EVs this year for the first time, things are still on a rip. And finally, Neo and Geely in China have joined uh, together. For battery swapping, NEO formed an alliance with Geely to expand their battery swap system, marking NEO's second big partnership in the area following a tie up with Chang'an. The NEO Geely partnership will focus on making battery swap standards uh, for both private and commercial vehicles. The two companies will enhance the battery swap network they have by investing, constructing, and sharing uh, in both existing and new swap sites. NEO's first battery swap site was back in May 2018 quite famously, and they've already got over 2,150 swap stations across China. They've done 33 million battery swaps. It just works in China. Whether you think battery swapping will work, In Europe or the US, you can't argue that in China it's working and Geely getting on board with Neo and their battery swapping technology. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map. Least plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see tomorrow, and remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.